0: petersfield's shine radio this is kate fairweather of shine radio and i'm sitting with john Wellsman and jan Wellsman in in a sunny place in the corner of john's garden and we're talking about guide dogs for the blind we are tell me about it John because you're involved personally aren't you
1: I am so I've worked for guide dogs for 12 years I are now working in something called the canine affairs team and it's our job really to to think about the future of guide dog ownership the future of the organization in, in relation to dogs Assistance dog ownership um, and then work externally with government departments, service providers in developing their understanding, their relationships with us around assistance dog and guide dog ownership. So that's my day job. Um, Guide dogs as an organisation has now been in existence for... Um, 90 years although it was incorporated in in uh, 1934 and obviously we've we've developed then ever since then and and moved on and become a uh, a very well-known dog charity Um, the main focus will always be the guide dog uh, and training guidelines, but we are more a vision impairment uh charity these days so there's additional support around the mobility and independence of vision impaired people supporting children and young people uh and and supporting a range of other services related to vision impairment
0: and tell me i, I was curious because i did a little bit of reading before we spoke mm. and uh and i i i gather that it's very much that guide dogs and training companions to guide it's been quite an international affair hasn't it Mm. where did it start
1: um so i suppose you can go back to greek times uh and there's certainly record of uh the grecians using dogs to support Uh, vision impaired people and guiding them around I don't know to what degree or I'm not a historian so I don't much about that but in more more recent times there there was a lot of work done in Germany post the first world war with training dogs to support uh, people who'd lost their sight through mustard gas attacks and things like that certainly a lot of development around guide dogs uh, in America, so around the same time, a lot of development around the use of dogs to guide people in america um, so we 're near the start here in the u k but you know we, we were a little a few a few years behind the others in in developing a, a sense that, that a dog can be a perfect companion and, and a guide for a vision impaired person and, and over that time um, it 's developed, and there are guide dog schools in ninety plus countries. Guide Dogs UK uh, has 22% of all guide dogs uh, working guide dogs so right. we have around 5,000 guide dog owners in the UK and that's you know, nearly one quarter of the whole world's guide dog population so you know, we, we, we in the UK have adopted it wholesale in terms of the public's love for guide dogs but in terms of you know, the benefits that we think vision impaired people will find from having a dog as a guide.
0: Do you think that's partly because in the UK we're crazy about dogs?
1: It could be i mean that's a that's yeah. a big
0: figure to have mm. a quarter of guide dogs
1: yeah i mean, i mean the difficulty is 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 obviously knowing the cultural norms and things in other countries and the and the desire for dogs because we i think i think realistically we found there's a finite Need for guide dogs in the UK, so there's around 5,000. You know, I don't think if you could train 20, 30, 40,000, there would be 40,000 vision impaired people who would want a dog, right? So, I think there are a finite number of people who actually want a dog and will benefit from it, and that's why, as an organization, we recognize that it's not just about the dog, it's about supporting vision impaired people so if i come to you and did an assessment for you a guide dog might not be appropriate but actually right. training you to use a long cane or giving you some skills around the house might actually be more appropriate for you at that time that i did the assessment
0: so it's quite a holistic
1: approach it, it aims to be it seems to be you know one of these buzzwords person-centered and the person-centeredness means that you're at the center of this 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 whole process and that that we should tailor our services to meet your needs uh and i think the challenge for an organisation, in my experience, is developing that understanding of what those needs might be and how we can best enhance our service to support that. Because, again, like any charity, you know, there's a, a finite amount of money, there's a finite amount of resource, uh, and it's actually making the best use of that resource.
0: You're blind yourself, and we've been talking to... Well, no, we haven't been talking to Breck, but we've been <laughs> sitting with Breck discussing Breck. So... Obviously, the ultimate beneficiaries, if you like, mm. are vision impaired or blind people that yeah. are having. I, I know we've talked about it being broader than mm. guide dogs, but that's the kind of central focus, isn't yes. it?
1: Yes. So, so, so I think I think over time, organisations. Need to, to have a wider scope, but um, they would certainly argue that the Charity Commission would expect the, the income that Guide Dogs brings in so that was £117 million in 2019 that they actually should be doing a, quite a wide range of dynamic things to support vision impaired people with that money. So it would be the Guide Dog Service, would be the core. That people give for but then there are other services children's services mobility services other services that that you were in a good position with with the amount of staff that we have in the organization to support
0: now you've got some interesting projects going on i know i was i was quite interested in the born to guide research can Mm. you tell me a bit about that
1: we're the largest breeder of dogs in the uk by far we breed around 1300 dogs a year around 800 of those will go to be guide dogs ultimately what we recognize over time is that there is uh, wastage in the terms of you know there'll be dogs bred but they won't be suitable as a guide so how do we make our breeding program better so that more dogs become guides or more dogs become assistance dogs so over time we develop um an understanding of the types of dogs that we breed, so predominantly going to be Labradors, Golden Retrievers and Crosses of the, the two because of the, the, the nature of both types of dogs. Um, the characteristics of those dogs, so what, what characters work well, what breeding lines work well to develop those characters. So over time we've developed an understanding of what works well in becoming a guide dog and actually have then tailored the breeding programme to, to more reflect the guiding role so you know I I don't think personally that we'll ultimately come up with the perfect guide dog so every dog becomes a guide dog but actually we then increase the amount of success rate for right. those dogs in becoming guides at the end of the day and that and that is a a worldwide thing so other organizations are doing the same thing you know increasing the the, the chance that the dog becomes a guide uh, and if it doesn't you know there's still the opportunity for the dog to go off and serve other functions
0: and what other functions would those be because there are other you know if you don't quite if you're not quite suitable to mm. be a guide dog
1: there are other options there are so so we're developing in guide dogs something called the buddy dog service and the companion dog service so the buddy dog service is really giving an opportunity for younger people to develop their relationship with dogs so it may be a a, children a a, a child of around eight to ten years old who will then have a, a a guide dog trained dog So it's a well-behaved dog. It's a it's it's a dog that's been um, gone through our puppy rearing program. So it will be socialised, but it will be a pet dog. So it's getting them developing a skill set around dogs and managing dogs. You know, looking after the dog day to day, with with obviously adult adults taking responsibility for that but then hopefully that encourages them in later life to want to have a guide dog the companion dog services for people where a guide dog is not quite appropriate but actually a dog as a social companion would work really well so again a well-behaved dog that they will then look after socially. It's not a guide dog, so it can't guide them. It doesn't have the legal status that the guide dog has in going to shops and restaurants and the like. But it's a companion. So if they want to go out and, and the dog is in companionship and, and confidence to go out independently, then they can go out with the dog and, you know, develop the social skills that, it might, that the dog might bring, you know, and people talking to you and your dog, yeah. all those sorts of things. Then, outside of that, there are other assistance dog organisations. Um, there are, are eight within something called Assistance Dogs UK, which is our umbrella body. And there will be comparable roles that, are, that are, a dog that hasn't quite made it as a guide dog could serve for some of the other organisation hearing dogs, dogs for right. good medical detection dogs and the like there will be some that end up as pet dogs okay. because they genuinely are no good for anything other than being <laughs> a pet dog which is still fantastic for them yeah um but but yes so but we would predominantly be looking for another role for that dog and some go to the police and some go to the military because that's actually what they're best suited for wow. you know in temperamentally that makes sense yeah, yeah the important thing for guide dogs is is to develop you know from my perspective in the role that i do i see the benefit of a guide dog i can see you know from from personal experience what advantage the dog brings to me but i recognize that for a lot of vision impaired people they need to gain the confidence of getting out independently developing their skill sets around mobility um getting to work getting home undertaking leisure activities um a big part of our work is campaigning because of course you can train someone with a guide dog. but if they can't use public transport they don't feel safe walking down a city street um they are in contact with dangerous dogs all the time then those are going to be problems for them so we do campaign uh, uh quite strongly to, to support certain issues like electric vehicles that don't make any sound so how do I cross the road safely if I can't hear the vehicle? We are campaigning at the moment to um, for the government to deal with the issue of Northern Ireland being a separate entity to the rest of the UK as far as dog um, dogs are concerned. Because um, guide dog owners, especially in the UK, are not going to be able to travel to Northern Ireland without having a pet passport equivalent for their dog which is right. called an animal health certificate um, they can, now the, the relationship with europe has changed so that's going to be a challenge for people so there will always be a number of things that we need to campaign to support guide other assistance dog owners over to ensure that they maintain their independence you know we want people to Mm. be able to to go into shops and restaurants and cafes Mm. so there's always a need to educate service providers to say you know look these are well-trained dogs they're well-behaved so please do accept them into your restaurant you know and taxis more especially it's the law it's a criminal offense for a taxi driver to refuse Um, me or any other assistance dog owner access to their vehicle so you know we we need to educate the public as as to why that's important and without that of course you know my guide dog might be able to guide me down the road but if I can't go in a shop that's going to be problematic
0: yeah that makes loads of sense we've seen an explosion in dog ownership just over the last 18 months haven't we with covid does that raise any issues
1: um I think I think there's always the consciousness that, you know, we would we would as a part of the wider dog community through the canine and feline sector group want to see um responsible dog ownership. So, you know, as a as a as a dog charity um, well, part of our charity charitable work is around dogs making sure that there is responsibility i think one of the big challenges for the assistance dog community at the moment is people passing their pet dogs off as assistance dogs so they can take them into cafes and restaurants and saying you know without that dog i, I don't feel i can go out now there may be some legitimate need for someone to have a dog to support them. They may have low self-esteem and things, and actually the dog gives them a lot of confidence. But what I think we need to do then is develop a a sense in society that Mm. those dogs need to be appropriately trained. So, yes, by all means, have support from your dog if it's appropriate to do so, if you have a legitimate need for that dog to support you, but make sure that dog's appropriately trained so it doesn't impact on... Pub, what we call public access e.g you know you you as a say a cafe owner could could allow that dog in you know it's not going to be a nuisance yeah. it's going to lie under the table quietly uh, and it's going to be a support to its owner because it's there with them and they and that gives them confidence and also gives you the retailer you know an opportunity to serve someone who might not normally come out if they didn't have the dog with them
0: and i guess it's even more important isn't it to be welcome as a guide dog, or an assistance dog mm-hmm. more broadly, I suppose, than even a pet dog.
1: It is, yes, and there, there is a differentiation there. You know, I, I have a need for that dog to support me, whereas it is a choice sometimes for pet owners to take their dog somewhere. Yeah. You know, they, they don't necessarily need to, and I understand why they might want to. And, of course, we know that Petersfield is quite a dog-accepting dog accepting uh, society, you know, so there are lots of cafes and and places in Petersfield where dogs are very welcome if they're well behaved. So, you know, we don't want to to stop that happening. We want that to encourage that to become more the norm. So, th- there's not just Petersfield. There's other places where that's uh, appropriate. But obviously, we need to ensure that people are responsible about that. Look after their dogs well. Maintain their health. Maintain their well being. Uh, take them to do obedience.
0: And tell me, I mean, do you have specific dog trainers, guide dog trainers?
1: We do, yes. And the, and the training is uh, a, a long uh, apprenticeship. It's uh, certainly two to three years apprenticeship and it's specialist. And it's quite tough on those, those people developing their skills, not only understanding vision impairment, but understanding the dog. The relationship with the dog uh, developing that dog's skills in guiding dogs will innately guide Mm. but obviously you want to you want to guarantee that you don't want a dog to suddenly have a a down 30 seconds where actually it's not so interesting guiding (laughs) it needs to maintain that guiding it needs to follow certain principles of guiding Mm. Uh, it needs to have reliable signs that it's doing a b and c Um, it needs to be obedient uh there are a lot of things that go along with guiding uh and uh yes so you know um training to be a guide dog mobility uh, specialist is is a uh, it's a prolonged period and then we also have trainers who train the dogs doing their basic training and then we have the specialists who do the matching and then working with the end user to to train the dog and the user together and develop both both the dog and the person's skill set to, to become yeah. an effective unit
0: so that it it retains the best characteristics of a true partnership yes
1: and that that and that's also centered around um support throughout the the working and the retirement life of the dog Mm. making sure that you know that that if there are any problems that we're we're not just training the dog up and then off you go by yourself we're there to support them through their life
0: thank you so much john and jan and brett for having me (laughs) Rise and Shine, with Petersfield's Shine Radio. Rise and shine. Rise and
1: shine. Whatever local information comes in, you'll be the very first to know.
0: You'll feel those ribs expand. And OK, then... I'm doing it, I'm doing Are it. Are you doing it? Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome back to Rise and Shine. You're with Alan Koch this morning. What could be better? Good morning, it's good to be with you. I'm Harrison RB. it's the brighter way to start your day in the Petersphere. As long as you're breathing, you're <laughs> <it's> doing OK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, with you, you Vicky. <laughs> Rise and Shine, weekday mornings from six with
1: Petersfield's Shine Radio. I think that's lovely.